0: We've got a series just like that. With one game, we go from sheer domination by Colorado to what happens next in game four on Wednesday. Nick Kiprios, Josh Santos on Tech. Sammy McKee, our trusted producer, and off today spending quality time, family time, that is, Justin Bourne. Sammy, you had a different feel. We went through this yesterday. You, my friend, looked us all straight in the tech (laughs) eye and said, this one has a different feel, a different buzz. And I kind of reminded you. Tampa had been down this path three weeks before the regular season against the Leafs, against the Rangers, against Colorado the first two games. Can we really write them off? And did we get our answer, Sammy? Uh
1: yes, we most definitely got our answer, Kipper, and I feel like a, a huge idiot today. I would multiple I feel I went on multiple shows yesterday talking about how the Lightning are done. I'd be surprised to see them win a game in this series. The Colorado Avalanche are way too fast. And Tampa just looked like Tampa again. They kind of eased their way into the series, obviously, in the first two games where, you know, they didn't play well in game one. They got it to overtime. Game two was a write-off. And then they just come out and look like the vintage Lightning last night, kept That just looked like the when they play well, that's what it looks like. And man... It was just impressive, and now we've got a series. I'm thrilled to say we have a series, but boy, I feel like an idiot for how wrong I was about these guys because oh, they, they they turned the page. It's impressive that they continue to keep doing this because I, I don't know how you feel, but now going into game four, I have no idea how to feel.
0: Well, first of all, you're not an idiot. You're our well, Sammy. You're just <laughs> our Sammy. You lead with your heart on your sleeve. I love it. Do you have the experience <laughs> and the expertise? No. Uh, that's what no. we love about you, buddy. That's <laughs> what we love about you. And you're absolutely right. We have a series here, and uh, certainly Tampa Bay, going back to somewhere they're very familiar with. Eight and one at home, they just mm. absolutely own um, their their home rink and the energy that they continue to get off the fans and a comfort zone with all their their stars, Kucherov, uh, the ability to shut down, slow down Colorado. But it didn't start that way, did it? No. With a somewhat controversial, disallowed goal that really... Do we go back and just say, what if? What if it was a half an inch and, and, and that goal was allowed and where would the momentum have gone from there? Is that the way you look at that game? Or is it a, a footnote, that disallowed goal?
1: I would feel it was a – I think it's still a, a good talking point, but I think it would be much more of a talking point if the if the Avalanche still didn't score first because Landis Cogs, uh, scores the first goal to make it 1-0 and then Tampa um, responds with Sorelli scoring a great goal off the rush. I think it's still a talking point because of how long it took and how close of a call it was. And Cooper had some great comments after the game. It's a little long. Do you want to hear it? It's it's a little bit longer. It's a minute 30 talking about yeah. the review process. But I think it's pretty interesting and a, a good place for us to jump off of.
0: Okay. But before we do, let me just add that, uh, you know, during that whole delay and uh, a lot of people wondering why Tampa Bay got that long mm-hmm. to... To decide and and then there was this whole thing about what angle did they use and what was available and why the fans weren't convinced they had that one angle on tv and usually we see multiple different looks and that didn't happen last night i put out a tweet um saying that the league had uh their conclusive view and it was from high above it was not the one that was shown on tv and people were just beside themselves where is it how come we can't see
1: it But Uh, i'll explain didn't didn't you think it was offside i thought it was offside right from even from the views we were getting on tv i thought it was a pretty clear offside no yeah Uh,
0: i the the, we only got the one angle where
1: Mm -hmm. it, it it
0: appeared that there was white on both sides uh, but I think people wanted to get multiple looks, including the league look of of the camera that's right along the the blue line that's usually available to the fans and the networks right after the decision is made. But it never came. Uh, I'll explain after. Uh, let's listen to John Cooper and, and get his feel on it.
2: We're at the at the. Um... Mercy of the replays we get so Somebody could unplug something up top. We could have no replays and something that is a black and white call might be missed and it shouldn't I'm a believer I don't know if I'm in the minority of this, but I don't know if that should be in our hands if It's a if it's either onside or offside like I just don't know why I have to make that decision and so and, and when the stakes are this high, um, and, I, and it was we were fortunate that the timing and the look and all that stuff, and we went for it, But um, and why this happened is because you notice how long it took the refs to make the call. So th- that's how, I mean, close it was and how many angles, I'm sure, I don't know how many angles they looked at, but they must have looked at a bunch for it to take that long. Uh, I get it, goal and t- tender interference and all that stuff, judgment call, how we feel, and I, I get why the rule is in place. And, and, and I'm, I hope nobody takes this as a complaint, but you almost get in these situations what happened tonight that it's like, you know, if ESPN or Sportsnet or whoever's feed is coming in or if there's a glitch in the screen and you're under a time constraint, it's, it can be tough.
0: Once again, he's not wrong.
1: It, Bang on. He's bang on. And I, the the black and white thing is what's interesting to me because offsides is not a judgment call. Offside is offside. And he's like he mentioned, uh, goaltender interfere, interference is a judgment call. That's a decision that you have to make to challenge it or not. But I really like what he said there, and I think that's yeah. something that the league has to look at, no?
0: They may revisit it, but the reason it is what it is is because once upon a time... John Cooper's fraternity of coaches abused this thing and they would use it for different reasons. And then finally the NHL got fed up and said, okay, you want to just slow the game down? You just want to take your time and use it for different reasons other than legitimately? Then we're going to smack you with a penalty if you're wrong. That's why it is the way it is. But he's not wrong when he talks about being at the mercy of say ESPN or SportsNet last night but it was not ESPN or SportsNet it was the NHL that had technical difficulties last wow. night with with the call and i can tell you that the feeds that the NHL were getting last night and the angles they would be sending them to the arena in Tampa Bay and they weren't getting them. Oh my God. So the NHL referees are at the penalty box area and the NHL seeing, well, clearly you can see white on both sides. And they're like, no, we're not getting the feed. And they're like, what do you mean they're, you're not getting the feed? We're not seeing what you're sending. That's what happened last night. So then the NHL has to turn around and tell the league that uh, uh, this is no goal, that we have conclusive evidence that the puck's out, we see white on both sides of it, no goal, and that's what happened. So go back to John Cooper's point. He is 100% right, that when there are issues like they had last night, they are
1: handcuffed. That's crazy. These games, it matters too much for that kind of stuff to happen in these big games. Kip,
0: a hundred percent. So, what it like? Now you're at the mercy of your uh, your what your your IT department, right? There's some <laughs> some guy that does
1: software gonna decide who wins the Stanley Cup? Are you kidding I, me? I'm playing in hockey. I said there'd be no tech. I said there'd be no math. Like it's not. <laughs> That's crazy. That's really crazy. Interesting. It is. It is. Uh, but
0: uh, and and you know, I I put a tweet out saying that uh, the the NHL did have conclusive evidence, and they're like screaming, "Why why can't we see it? Why won't they show it? What are they hiding? They're lying, right? They want they want uh, they want Tampa Bay to come back and and make a series of this, and it's like, oh my god." Come on! No, come on! Come on! We got to be better than that, right? Yes.
1: So I, I was saying in the moment on TV that it was offside, and I'm glad they got it right. But that's a crazy yes. situation for them to go through. And listen, uh, I, th- I like, like I said, um, they went ahead and scored the the goal ahead goal, one nothing anyway. So I don't think it's as big a storyline as it could have been. You know, if Tampa goes and scores two in a row, but that's that's pretty wild that you got to get it right like that in that situation.
0: All right. We're going to be joined by Peter McNabb uh, in a few minutes here. And, of course, former NHLer, uh almost 1,000 games played. He does the color commentating for Colorado. We're going to get a feel from Colorado's side on on how 60 Minutes has perhaps changed everything for Colorado. And what would seem like a, uh, a perfect run so
1: far now has got some question marks, got some holes. Are you surprised that there's no Nathan McKinnon goals through three games so far in this series? Yes.
0: I, I think yeah. that uh, people are starting to wonder now where where his ability is to to, to score and, and put pressure. And uh, you can only ride uh, the supporting cast for so long. And now there's going to be some, uh, some questions on, on Nate McKinnon and his ability to rise now in, in this Stanley Cup final. The other one, and the big one for me, and we'll get into this, I think, with uh, Peter McNabb, is where does where does Bednar go uh, with, with the goaltending here? It just seemed like 100% of the spotlight uh, was on Vasilevsky, and now uh, within 60 minutes of a, of a game three, it, it, it turns on on Darcy Kemper. All right, let's welcome in Peter McNabb, and, and we thank Peter for his time. We know he's a busy guy, and Peter. Before before we get into any of this, um, you know, uh, it's been well noted that uh, at the end of September, at the end of September, you were talking about uh, your battle with cancer, and then what? By almost the end of February, uh, you also made an announcement you were in remission. So first and foremost, how are you
3: feeling, pal? Well, I, I tell you, you don't have. I have. I was talking with uh, Joe Micheletti downstairs earlier. And we were just saying, I got, I have one wind. I have no second wins. So wherever I'm going, I got to know exactly where I'm going. Cause I can't get lost and regroup, but it's, thank you very much for asking. It's been, it's been, it's, it's been a lot better. It's, um, I I've, I've certainly learned a lot and a, a real appreciation for those people that go through this. Cause it is not easy.
0: And you've also gone, uh, through a great career, uh, seen a lot of scenarios come playoff time and here we are going into game three peter and i i know the conversations i've lived them many times uh you have as well people are doing the math if if we win game three who's flying down for game four where's the clincher game gonna be is it gonna be in tampa or do we wait make plans to go to game five and then you've got uh uh, a, a game like last night that uh, really puts closing this series out on the back burner. Um, pretty pretty quick change of events in this series last night.
3: Well, they they did. You know, I was looking at it and I said, okay, how can uh, Tampa sort of not talk themselves into believing they can win, but looking at it and go, okay, you know, why should we win this game? They've been great at home. And what they've done now, and in one, two periods of hockey, really, because the third period was kind of just, you know, whatever it is when you're up 6-2, um, they made this a home ice series. And compliments to them, because they're good at home. They're 8-0 now. They beat the Avalanche. And now that that's – it's amazing how that 7 nothing win for the Avalanche has just disappeared into the background. And, they had, and it's been – the narrative is they won their two at home. Now, we got to win our two at home and then make it the best two out of three and try to get one in uh, in Colorado. So hats off to Tampa Bay. They came out last night. Uh, the Avs are really good five-on-five, five and they had five five-on-five five goals against the Avs, and that's, that's an uncomfortable number, I'm sure, for the Avalanche.
0: Peter we went uh we went through a little bit of uh, the scenario last night I don't think it was uh talked about at all but there was a technical difficulty between Toronto and um and the penalty box last night on on part of that disallowed goal where they were not getting the feeds that Toronto were getting and thus the delay a little bit but where do you put that that momentum swing in the grand schemes of game 3
3: you know you know what it's like, Nick. When you're not on the bench, when you're not, you don't know the... Because it's two years, really, without being able to really get a, a feel for how a team reacts to situations. Now, my feeling is the Avalanche have matured light years from the last couple of years, three years in a row, where they lost in the second round in heartbreaking fashion. This is a different club that's got a better mindset, much more mature, has handled stuff. But, you know it's one of those things that you score and you think you got a one, nothing lead in Tampa. Okay. A perfect start. Let's get the, let's keep this going. And you sit there and you wait and you wait, because what? when I looked at it, maybe it wasn't, you know, quite that way. Cause again, you're not privy, but it looked like Tampa Bay almost didn't challenge because it was a long time before anything happened. And then finally they got called over. And it must have just been razor thin. I mean, you know, we didn't get a look at it. I do the radio now. and didn't get a look at it. So uh, by the time you turn around, what's the scenario? The scenario is one nothing Avalanche. They got the lead again. Here they come. Okay, we're back to even. It's nothing, nothing. We can forget about that. Let's get going. Now, the Avs, Landis scored to make a one nothing. But it, you know, it's, the situation is at that little moment just seemed to take maybe just a little bit of the steam out of the avalanche. Yeah, and uh, y-
0: you could almost feel it in the building as well. Um, and and you just wonder where that would have gone if, in fact, it, it would have turned a little bit uh, in Colorado's favor. And saying that. Uh, where is the focus? I know we I'm going to ask you, obviously, about uh, Darcy Kemper here uh, moving forward. But uh, yeah. is 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 Nate McKinnon? No one's watched Nate more than you have, and when he's on and, and great, and when he's playing well and not scoring, and it, where is he in this series outside of not producing?
3: Oh, he's you know he's getting his shots, and you know, and he's working, and, and it, it, this puck just hasn't gotten it. And, you know he had ten twelve shots directed towards the net, you know, and they can't buy one right now, but the thing about Nate is you know that you know for an absolute fact i have I I've very seldom been around a player as driven not just to be good, driven to perfection, the way he eats, the way he trains, the way he does everything as Nate McKinnon, and he will be a factor as he was in the St Louis series in that one big game um you know he will be a factor before this is over hopefully in game 4 for the avalanche because i was i was just laughing at when you were talking about the family's night i was listening to somebody that won the stanley cup and they were saying i'd rather play on the road you know in the stanley cup class i'd rather win at home and play but i'd rather win, play on the road because you know there's so so many fewer distractions and once you get to that game three and the families are coming in because, you know, they're coming in and if something happens and it's sent back to Tampa Bay, then all of a sudden the families are all coming to Tampa Bay. And, you know, cause you all want to be there, of course. Well, then you got to try and find hotels and, you know, it's just, it's just a, a nightmare for everybody concerned. And, you know, sometimes you've got little kids and you're concerned about that and, you know, as well, you should be. But uh, it's it is a little bit more difficult to concentrate, and it can be a uh, an interesting time.
0: Sure can. We're joined by Peter McNabb, the voice of the Colorado Avalanche. And okay, here here we go. Um, it just yep. seemed like after two games, uh, it wasn't even a factor uh, in terms of a, a Kemper versus Vasilevsky. All eyes on Vasilevsky. Uh, especially after a game two uh, humiliation, let's call it what it was. And yet now, uh, total role reversal. Darcy yeah. Kemper gets pulled. Frank Koos comes in. And people are now questioning who the goaltender in game four will be. I, Me personally, I don't think Bednar has any other choice but to come back with Kemper. Uh, I'll, I, I want to get your thoughts on that.
3: Well, I'll tell you, it's, it, it, it's, it's, you know, usually, you know, uh, the goaltending is pretty much a set deal once you get to the Stanley Cup finals. You know, usually you've got your goaltending rotation is either him or it's him. You know, uh, the when the Avalanche beat New Jersey, it was war or Brodeur. You don't even know who the backup goaltender is. And, you know, the big question after game two was, You know, the only question was why didn't they pull him after two periods, and all the intrigue of that. And I'm thinking, maybe he just said, "I don't want to come out." You know, but you knew who was going to be back in goal. I mean, it was it. They weren't going to Elliott, you know, ever. You know, because this is Vasilevsky's team, and so they they have that going for them. They'd absolutely know who's number one. But now you got Camper, and it wasn't a matter the, the fact that. You know, he let in five goals. It was kind of a, you know, there was that big save needed, that big play needed, you know, and what, you know, again, what do they expect from Kemper? Do they want to sit and hold their breath and hope he's going to have a good game? Because he's played really well for them over the course of the season. Or you go to Frankie, who is a remarkable, you know, he's six and oh in the playoffs. He was the winning goaltender in the last two games against Nashville, won the series. He won all four games against the Oilers and won that series. You know, so he's six and zero, uh, and his record with the with the Avalanche is as a backup is a remarkable forty four eighteen and five. So he's a, he is a really steady guy. So, I, I mean, Bednar last night was you know he was played a little. You know, we got to wait and see and, and stuff like that. So it, it it will be one of the big questions. But you're right, when Vasilevsky is getting questioned left and right, well, he left that one in the rearview mirror. Now the Avalanche, as here we go, and and which guy do you go with? And I have no clue.
0: Would would Darcy Kemper have the 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 mindset, Peter, the mentality, uh, the disposition to not play game four and, and still be okay to go back home, or would he sit there and go, hold on for a second? That guy gets shelled for seven, and there's no questions asked. I I had a very solid back half of the season. I was legitimately good in game two, and now I'm scratched for game four. Where would he oh, be yeah. mentally?
3: Oh, oh yeah. I mean, there, the thing is, I mean, if you don't play Kemper, do you lose him? Yeah, You know, just, you know, how things change over the course of time, Nick. You know how the game has changed and they separate the media from everybody. I used to sit with Patrick uh, on an occasional bus trip, you know, and so you knew every little nuance of, of Patrick Waugh, body language. When he let in a bad goal, whether you thought it was bad or not, you could tell whether he did. Just by talking with them before and you know, and then after the game, so you get an understanding of the personality. Two years, and I got no clue. I mean, my my favorite guy for the Avalanche is Brendan Saad. He came into the Avalanche during the, had a really good, solid season he played. You know, played a whole year. I never met the man because You know, so it is. Uh, Darcy Kemper, I've said hello to. Uh, I, I've flown on the charter a couple of times and just nodded to him, but I have no idea uh, how strong he is mentally, how he he's going to be able to handle this. Because th- this is, as you say, if you come back with Francois, are you saying, okay, that it's your net the rest of the way, or are you saying you got to you got to earn that, or we're coming back with the other guy? I mean, go- are they literally going to play musical chairs with the goaltending? And you know that, that is, and that is tough. That is really tough because the pressure is, you know, you can just feel it on the goaltenders in the, in the Stanley cup finals. I mean, that's why, you know, I had such a, a great career covering, you know, goaltenders, Marty Brodeur in New Jersey, who was ridiculously strong mentally. And then Patrick, who was, you know, may have been the best ever as far as letting go of a bad game. So, but just to answer your question, I, I yeah. have no idea. I have no well, idea because I don't know them. Yeah, you're, you're
0: absolutely right that, that Kemper is a very difficult guy to read. And again, as I'm watching this series progress, we all know what uh, Corey Perry's trying to do to him. And we've seen it. And it it's, he won't even acknowledge him, Peter. And, I, you know, it, it's, who am I to say whether he should or shouldn't? It's whatever works for him. But it's clear that he wants nothing to do with even eye contact with Corey Perry, which I say is great as long as you continue to play well and you're you know you're you're in this zone and you have all the reason to say I'm not going to get caught up in that. But that's okay as long as you're you're playing well and you're not pulled. I mean, in a perfect oh. world, if if you're not playing well. I'd rather you get back into Corey Perry's face, or just give him a you know something back to to show him that you're not you're not putting up with that. But you you got to be playing
3: well to completely ignore him. For me, anyways. Uh, you know, I, I my I've I've honed my instincts to understand today's player. You know, they did, You know, for the longest time, because I I you know I played in Boston when they had a. Not me, absolutely not me. I always want to make sure that people understand I was not part of why that team was so tough, but I you know part of me says, well, what would Jerry Cheevers have done to Corey perry if he if he had tried that, or what would Brad Park have done to him? He would have i mean Perry would have a stick coming in one area and coming out in another, and the back of his head would just have been smacked with a with the yeah. stick and but that's not how they do it now. They don't they don't police the game like that. They skate away. And you know, that's that's how the game is played. And you have to get used to it. You have to understand it and you you know, it's it's today's game. It's uh it's just different. It's fast. It's exciting and all of that. I mean the skill level I mean, you know, McDavid Dreisidel versus McKinnon and McCarr. You know, in the in the last series, there were stuff that happened on the ice I had just never yeah. seen. You know, yeah. and so it's you know the game has just gotten away from that. I think the league has done a you know a really good job. But you know what? And here's the thing that I you know I try to keep in my mind: when you hit the goaltender, back when I played, you answered not now, but right now. I mean, you were. Uh, it, it was on like Donkey Kong. it was just a, now, if something happens, you look to the league for something, and so the the law enforcement area has shifted from the players taking care of things to the league taking care of things, and you know okay that that it's these guys are playing. They're putting their rear ends on the line every single night. It's fast. It's, I mean, some of the hits, you know, because you're that much faster, you're that much bigger, that much stronger. You're, when you're hitting, it is than a couple of games. Now, this is a few years ago, but a couple of games between the benches, and mother yeah. God, do they play fast. Holy they sure cow. Do.
0: They sure do, and we're expecting more of it uh, in game four. Hey, Peter, really appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of the series. Thanks for
3: doing this. Oh, you know the, the fun part is it, it's you know it is a series now. There's no getting around oh, it, yeah. and, and that's the fun part. Yep, it it certainly is. Peter yeah, McNabb, thank you, thank you so much.
0: Awesome, great insight, eh? Loved it. I, uh, so
1: you mentioned Corey Perry there. Yeah. Uh, did you see the stat I put in the lineup? First player uh, in NHL it. history to score a goal in the Stanley Cup final with four different teams, Ducks, Stars, Canadians, and Lightning. Yeah. And
0: still still debatable whether he'll be on four different losing teams in the Stanley <laughs> I Cup know. final. I know. Like what's like what's next? Does he sign with the Buffalo Bills if he if he loses <laughs> and go after that record? What was their record? Four, they lost four in a row. Yeah, that, that, that's, only, that's the only thing left is that he signs so he, with the Bills if they lose.
1: But he's playing on a line with Maroon, who's won four, could win four in a row. So it's like the ultimate test here, which way it goes. And
0: people like crap all over Maroon. He was awesome last night. Was he ever a factor last night? Oh my god, he was god. in the mix. He was in the he mix. He was. He was. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. um Coming up after the break, we're just going to get an update here on what is going on with Hockey Canada. They were under fire; the executives uh, grilled over their handling of an alleged sexual assault four years ago that resulted in a settlement lawsuit settlement. So we're going to find uh, we're going to find Katie Strang here, senior writer of the Athletic, and and just get an update on this. Where is it going, and what does this mean to the National Hockey League? All after the break. I'm Nick Kiprios. He's Sammy McKee. And you are listening to Real Kipper and Born.
3: Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right. As promised uh, before the break, we talked about Hockey Canada executives uh-huh. under fire as Parliament grilled the organization over its handling of a, an alleged sexual assault four years ago that resulted in a settlement lawsuit last month. Let's welcome in Katie Strang, who is is all over this uh, developing story and it's developing quite rapidly. Um, as, as we speak right now, let's welcome in Katie. Katie, thanks. Uh, how are you? And, and thanks for doing this. I,
4: I'm well, guys.
0: Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, um, is this here we go again? Um, another story that uh, seems to be growing legs as as we move forward. And uh, is this got a chance to be maybe as as big of a, a story as as what we went through with the Chicago Blackhawks?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it certainly has the potential um, for that to be the case. I I think a lot probably depends on what happens with the NHL probe, how that's handled, what is uncovered from that probe, whether the identity of these players are ever revealed. Um, You know, I, I, I don't know if the woman herself plans to participate in the investigation. All those things are sort of you know, moving parts that, depending on how they all shake out, um, could yield, you know, sort of much more nuanced, sophisticated understanding of their situation.
0: So what did you get out of Monday? Um, Tom Rennie uh, participated, um, and uh, uh, who else was involved? Uh, Scott Smith, I believe, um, President of Hockey Canada was also involved. Uh, what did you get out of that? And uh, is, is, did that lead us to more questions than answers?
4: Definitely. Uh, I, I will say this. Like, you know, I, I live in the U.S. and I follow congressional hearings. I I, I was pretty impressed, like, with the lack of grandstanding um, uh, by the MPs. I thought they were, like, pretty straightforward and effective in their questioning. Um, and it did yield some some useful information. I think the two most significant revelations from yesterday were one, that hockey Canada does not or you know purports to not um, know the identity of the eight John Doe defendants in that lawsuit. And then number two, that players who were on that team in question were not required to participate in that third party investigation that it was recommended but not required and you know depending on you know which figure you trust there's sort of varying um numbers of of the level of participation but very clear that a at least a sizable portion of that team chose not to participate
0: so president scott smith of uh, one of the witnesses called to testify um had gone on record, saying, Listen, the police were notified. We had a third party investigator, Sport Canada was notified um, you know we we offered support to the young woman, Katie. This is not us sweeping something under the rug. I think was his quote, so I think the general public just wants to know was is there any sense that there 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 wasn't a cover up
4: well, you know, I, I I think it's speculative to say that there was a cover up. Like I said, there's still a lot of unknowns about this case. To me, um, I would say there was an interesting exchange yesterday where they took, um, you know, they they took us all through the sequence of events from when they learned of the information and what they did with that information, and you know, all concede. And then totally acknowledge that, you know, calling the police the same day that you find out about the situation, that's that's pretty prompt, right? However, um, it, it was interesting to hear that, you know, they have these internal conversations, which I think is to be expected. You know, you're you're notifying probably your general counsel, your risk management director, et cetera. I thought it was very interesting that they noted that they um, informed their insurers before they went to the police, and there was an MP, I believe it was Michelle Ferrari, I could be mistaken, um, that asked, you know, was was the settlement paid out of these insurance premiums? They do have, um, you know, insurance policies that cover third-party sexual assault misconduct allegations. Hockey Canada said it did not, Um, but I thought that was a very little sort of minutiae type of revelation that was really interesting. Something else along those lines that I thought was interesting and kind of like a little newsy nugget, and I don't know quite what to make of it right now, probably partly because I don't have the legal acumen to dissect this appropriately. But I suspect it might become relevant later. Is the fact that they said that they settled that case on behalf of not just Hockey Canada, which was a co defendant, but also the other co defendants. So the Canadian Hockey League and the HMDO defendants, which is particularly interesting to me because they say they do not know who these players are, and yet they settled the case on behalf of them anyway. And they did settle this case, I should know, pretty quickly as well. So that to me raises some um, salient questions.
0: As far as Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, they, they talked about it uh, briefly uh, before the series started that they will do an investigation, they'll inquire, but is is there a fine line here or are they all in in, in finding out what happened? Because as we know that uh, there's a potential for multiple players who were involved in that, presently um, members of the National Hockey League, but okay, how all in are they on this investigation as much as a a Chicago Blackhawks scenario?
4: I'm not sure. And I I, I guess the question comes down to this. And, And it relates to some of the testimony yesterday, which was, you know, they did not, Hockey Canada did not require players to participate in that investigation. Well, an investigation is truly only as robust as, you know, the level of honesty and candor and participation that it can yield um and so what i don't know and i spent some time looking into this last night is what sort of power the nhl possesses to compel players to participate in an investigation so for instance if they reach out to some of these players and a player like says i'm going to take a hard pass on this and not sit for questions what is the nhl able to do are they able to suspend them are they able to you know, have a a hearing on the issue with the NHLPA. I looked through the CBA last night in Article 18A, which covers off-ice conduct. I could not find an answer to that question. I've had some conversations with the PA. It does not seem like they are clear on that either. So I think that, you know, how fulsome and how, you know, robust this investigation will largely be dictated by, you know, their power to compel Players
0: to participate yeah it's uh wow we'll just see where, where this thing whole this thing ends up uh, Katie one more before I let you go just in terms of uh you know you you, you do amazing work uh, on, on this sort of stuff and I know it emotionally physically mentally spiritually it's not an easy thing to do no question about that but you and Rick Westhead continue to lead uh it, it, is there enough mainstream media asking questions or does this feel like it's like dip your toe in the water for, for the rest of them?
4: Well, you know, I, I would, I think there was a larger conversation that a lot of the media had um, at the time of the Kyle Beach Chicago Blackhawk situation, where I think not just like sort of the, the general public, you know, thought of that as a reckoning, but also the media thought of that as a reckoning of like, hey, we probably dropped the ball in some ways in twenty ten and, and not noticing or picking up on some of these things or or what have you. And I, I think there was a sort of, you know, commitment to want to do better. And I think this is a real opportunity to show, you know, us as the media that we have, you know, made some strides forward. We do recognize and embrace the importance of this type of reporting and, you know, that there is sort of like accountability journalism and that even things that do not transpire on the ice are still really essential and vital um, to the health of the game and and to cover it adequately.
0: Well, we appreciate uh, your search for the truth, Katie, and uh, thank you so much for your time.
4: Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it.
0: Katie Strang. The athletic, Sammy. You all good, buddy? That's a yeah, that's it's a just... tough conversation to have, but I think an important one too. And uh, like it's, yeah, I just hate these stories. We we feel for victims and uh, their families, but I, I thought it was important that we at least have a conversation about it, right? It's important.
1: This story is only going in one direction, Gipper. It's it's just snowballing. You know, It's just going to pick up steam here. The amount of people that are doing good work on it, like you mentioned, Katie, Westhead, Dan Robson, uh, uh, there's lots of different people that are working on it. Only more information is going to come out. So uh, I think it's important we talk about it. We are a hockey show. We've got to talk about the fun stuff in hockey and the other side of it. But uh, good job with Katie there. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how this story develops.
0: Yeah, we will. Uh, and you're right. It's not going anywhere and, uh, it, it it continues to develop. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll touch on it when it, when it needs to be done. Uh, no questions about that. Uh, all right. So what else we got going here, Sammy NHL awards tonight is, Mm -hmm. I don't get a sense that, uh, a lot of people know about this show tonight. I'm not, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just kind of aloof to it, but, uh, there's a there's an award show in the past we've seen these after the stanley cup has been presented they've been in vegas this one tonight is in tampa bay correct
1: correct it's in tampa bay correct and uh keenan thompson from saturday night live is hosting it i believe um which is great uh, he's a big star that should draw some attention i'm not a big saturday night live guy but I, i know who he is um Here's what's been given out tonight. The Hart Trophy, the Norris Trophy, the Calder Trophy, the Vesna, and the Ted Lindsay. Of course, the Lady Bing, King Clancy, Bill Masterson, Selkie, and Jack Adams were already given out. So it's the big night for Mr. 34 in blue and white because tonight could be the night he wins the MVP of the league. First time since 1955 that an, uh, a Leaf will win the MVP if that happens.
0: That alone should maybe get you and a few buddies to do a little bit of a parade
1: up Young Street maybe no come no, on no, I, no? Listen, listen i have to okay <laughs> this is a hard one for me it really is kipper because i'm trying not to look through the lens of what happened super in fan. the playoffs i'm no i am a super fan I, i'm not going to yeah. deny that but i'm trying oh, not to it. i'm trying not to Measure what happened in the playoffs in the last couple games where he wasn't very effective versus what the bigger body of work is. And I, I really do think that he needs to be given his due for an unbelievable 60 goal season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But at the same time, it really does open up the area for all the Dumbo fans of all the other teams to be like, Oh, Oh yeah. MVP. Can't win a round the playoffs. Oh, 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 Connor McDavid went to the conference finals, carried his team. Like it is a tough one. It's a really tough one. And I know there's a lot of fans out there. Uh, leaf fans that feel the same way I do.
0: So you've, you've already just set it up. Uh, He's going to win the heart. He's going to win the heart. Uh, But there's enough scar tissue there that you're not going to be able to celebrate this like you
1: really should. That's Mm, what you're saying. I, I completely, that's exactly what I'm saying. And even if they had have won one round, Kipper, they get by the lightning, they fall in six or seven to Florida, or maybe they get to the conference final, lose the Rangers, whatever happens. They win that game seven against the Bolts on uh, on that Saturday night in Toronto it's just a completely different conversation, but just having that stupid round one thing hanging over him that every fan base and every other person makes fun of the Leafs for, it's going to be there with him now. It's just, it's undeniable, Kip. There's nothing you can do to get away from it. It's something that's going to hang yeah. over him until it happens. And the MVP is yeah. a huge deal, don't get me wrong, and it should be celebrated. The first oh, listen, guy, since, they, like they, I said, since 55 to do it. It's a special thing, but it's still a tough one.
0: It is an incredible accomplishment and why leaf fans had have had to wait so long for a major award like this is kind of mind-boggling to be honest with you here um especially when they had the financial means just prior to the salary cap to go and buy great players and it just never happened and uh, no Norris winner yeah. Which is, again, mind boggling. Hart mm-hmm. since 55, like you said, and no Norris trophy winner. Not one defenseman. Boreas Salming may have been the closest one. But outside of that, not a sniff,
1: Sammy. And, with, and same with Vesna. Not a sniff on that either.
0: But you had good goaltenders it wasn't For like sure. you didn't have world class goaltenders. I was maybe a in, finalist in one year. Cujo, Belfour Eddie Belfour oh, yeah. uh Felix had some good years where you'd go "Why well, he's a top goalie. No you're right. It just seems it just seems like those those two other ones. It maybe Sittler the year he finished 3rd in scoring but
1: Sundin you know, I guess when he was at the top of his game but he was never in that conversation, I guess, like it is very, it's more of a caliber conversation, like caliber of player that the Leafs have had. You know, it, it, I've always dreamed of the, the Leafs having a player like Austin Matthews my whole life. That, yeah. To have a caliber of player that's a top guy in the league that could win a potential. And in truly fan fashion, I still have to feel crappy about it. So there we go. You expect.
0: Okay. So, I mean, we're, we're comfortable saying that Matthews is going to win the heart tonight. Correct? Yes. Yep. All right. What do you expect out of his acceptance speech? Do you expect him to be a little That's uh, a great emotional, question. uh reflective? Does he does he tip his hand on the future or no. where he thinks that they're no, I, I I'm just I'm not saying he's gonna say anything. But do we read between the lines on his acceptance speech to truly understand where he is and where he thinks he's going to be for the next 10, 15 years? Because you can, you can get body language and you can, as we do constantly on this show, interpret uh, you know, messages that aren't said. What do you expect?
1: I expect it to be rather boring. <laughs> well, like, he, he what, what does he give the media ever? Like, when he said he put the balls on the line, we all were like, oh, my God. He said something halfway, halfway interesting. Like, I don't think he'll say anything interesting. He won't put himself well, out
0: there, too. Y- you know we're going to break it down. That's for Kippers sure. Kippers, Clippers. All right, babe. Hey, great job today, Sammy. Uh, you too, bud. We're going to have JB back tomorrow. Our thanks to <laughs> Peter McNabb, Katie Strang from The Athletic. Thanks for listening. Real Kipper and Born.